everyone. Welcome to episode 679 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Joe. Ready to do a comic book podcast. Yes, I moved the mic away as I was talking. Uh, but hopefully all of this gets fixed when I do like the compression gimmick, you know? Let's just say on my end, I heard no difference. So Perfect. Right, when you listen back to the podcast. I'll compare and, and contrast right. and let you know. Thank you, thank you. That's all I ask. Right. That's a uh, lot of ask, but anyway. <laughs> so uh, we got some news this week, of course. Uh, we have an update on that comic that Vault was given away for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have information about what books Sean Gordon Murphy will and won't be doing in the near future. Uh, we have the return of the Rob Watch. Feels like a regular feature lately. Mm. Somebody has a lot of nickels, I guess. <laughs> right. Um, we have what we've read from this past week, which would be Peacemaker Tries Hard, number six, and Transformers, number one. What we're looking forward to coming out this week, uh, the current ESPN pigskin pick'em standings. Todd and Joe have issues as we near the end of Sandman with issue 75 and spoiler filled discussion of the season finale of Ahsoka. Yes, sir. Should be a short show. Some of us watched Loki and some of us did not. Well, I was told not to watch Loki. That's all I'm going to say. Who told you not to watch Loki? Well, it was more we're not doing Loki, so I didn't watch it. That's all. We're we're not doing Loki? We're not. You said we were doubling up next time. Oh. Again, I I think neither one of us are clear in regards to this. Oh, okay. Like, like I said, luckily I keep copious notes for these sort of things. Right. So, uh, we had mentioned a couple weeks ago that the uh, upcoming series by Vault Comics... Uh, entitled Beyond Real, um, was going to be available for free uh, to you, the readers, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, actually, my apologies. So it was Unnatural Order, which was the Christopher Yost book. Right. But now Vault is doing it with their next big launches well, Beyond Real. That's what the story is. Yep. There we go. Let's get things correct. When a retail when a when a publisher does two free number ones, it does get a little confusing. Right. But it says the first one worked or they wouldn't have done it again. Well, the first one worked that they had 137,000 orders for the first one. And let's see, and again, no knock on the creative team, but I know who Christopher Yost is. I don't know the name of the creative team on the rest of the Beyond Real book. But if the second book does number similar to what Unnatural Order does. What's the harm in a publisher just saying we're just going to give the first issue away for free in print in perpetuity? Um, nothing as long as they can keep making a profit. Yeah, I so, mean the second it 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 you know becomes not profitable, I guess I I that pattern will change. Yeah, now obviously they have it tied in. Um, with you can get um, um, 
you can get like variant covers that are priced differently if you want to get those other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, the book itself has a $5 cover price, but it's free, right? Retailers mm-hmm. can order however much they want. But now it's a thing of like how much sh- shelf space is, are they going to do? What is going to be the return on issues two and then issues three and so on and so forth, of course. Um, and 137000 is pretty good orders for a free book that adds no cost to the retailers and no cost to the consumers. They get half of that to turn out for issue two. Is that worth the investment? Like, what's their, like, I'm sure they have a number in their head. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming it's a good enough number that they're doing it with a second book. Right. That's all accounting's problem. Um, Yeah. But I don't know. If anything that gets books in people's hands and gets it out there, I mean, uh, that's good. Hopefully it'll it'll work for them each time. Maybe, like you said, from here on out in perpetuity, that company will have free number ones. I honestly don't see it that long. I see it for a while, and then it's like, okay, we've we've done this enough. You, we've gained favor. We've kind of established ourselves, and then kind of see it go away. But uh, we'll see. I, you know, yeah. I, I don't have a crystal ball. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, another follow up to another story from a while ago um, that Sean Gordon Murphy uh, has not acquired but he's licensed the rights to do a zorro comic Mm -hmm. um and there had been question as to if and when or whomever uh this was going to come out well it was just announced this week that sean gordon murphy is going to be publishing this through the company um massive and i guess it's currently up on kickstarter as well i don't think the kickstarter is over yet for this right um, I think the Kickstarter still has about three weeks to go, and it's well surpassed its goal, right? right. Uh, so obviously it has a publisher. The Kickstarter folks are going to get it first. Um, I'm looking here to see what the timetable it says that this is going to come around on. Um, yeah, so, uh, and, and again, you know, to kind of get into it, um, 50 bucks gets you um a 124 page hardcover graphic novel right uh 60 bucks gets you um those uh so uh, the the hardcover has extra pages in it 60 bucks gets you the four individual issues with covers that's like an interlocking thing right Mm -hmm. and then again of course you go you know, you get the two together, you get all this other stuff. There's tons and tons of other packages all the way up to, like, original art wanted posters. Right. At five grand, which is, like, everything plus a uh, a, a Sean Gordon Murphy doing, like, whatever on, as a wanted poster, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it's, you know, less than five days old and it's already like well surpassed whatever the goal that he had set for it. Um, so good for him. Um, I only mentioned that to you because I know you're a fan. I, you know, you might, you might want to throw your uh, ducats behind that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely not getting the $5,000 art one though. No, Um, thank God I'm out of the art game. Um, but no, this, this actually looks really cool. I like it. The art, like all the art that he has 
for it to like you know promote it is absolutely gorgeous there's like one shot of like Zorro because it's kind of more of a modern day Zorro um him on the stage in front of the microphone holding the hat I'm like man I forgot how much I really loved his artwork uh so good and uh I'm a I'm a sucker for Zorro so this is a this is a strong probability Joe Right, and, and this is one like I probably won't sign up for the Kickstarter, but this is definitely that one that'll go on the poll list mm-hmm. when it gets published. You know, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. You know, I was a sucker for Zorro. You know, yeah, I think he uh, might have come up on the Patreon show this past week. Right, right, and a certain poem I won't do here. Oh, I was going to say this might have been the time for you to do your catchphrase, but all right, <laughs> two bits, four bits, six bits a peso, all for Zorro. Stand up and say so. There you go. Um, But with the acquiring of the rights to do the Zorro book, the Kickstarter being successful, he has a publisher to put it into stores. You get one, you lose one. It looks like uh, he's no longer, or at least not for the foreseeable future, is going to be continuing the White Knight verse that he's been doing in his little corner of the DC universe where he just essentially gets to write whatever Batman and Superman stories that he wants. Right. Yeah. Um, which I, like I, we were, we were talking about this. I, I just think it's fascinating because he got the free reign to do like, you know, it's an Elseworld story as far as I'm concerned or a black label or whatever you want to call it where he could do whatever you want. He had all these crazy ideas and um, like they gave him free reign. He, and he had control over who could do what, like if they wanted, if he wanted somebody to do a book in his universe, he got to like be the showrunner as we discussed. And he's like, I'm I'm walking away from this to do Zorro. I'm like, okay, like a bat universe or Zorro like that. And and he chose Zorro. That's in his heart, man. Good for him. And that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, but I guess the last issue of whatever it is, the you know, the the White Knight universe. Uh, Generation is this, Joker, yes. Yeah, is this week. And I don't know if, I don't think anything has been solicited since, right? No. Yeah. No, nothing else. And he said it might be years, so. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, you mentioned it's a very, you know, anything with Batman and, jo- Batman and Joker and those characters and their slightly different iterations. I'm sure the trades and collections of those sell very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it has Batman in it, so it'll do good. And like, what creator, like Tom King, can you know more or less do whatever he wants with the Bat people, right? But even still, that stuff is kind of sort of tied into the mainline stuff. This is its own separate thing, as you mentioned. It's black label. He could do whatever he want, change whatever he want, say whatever he want. I can't think of another creator that they would give that sort of rights to. You know. No, no. And he had some great ideas. One of my favorite things that he did was that there there in his universe there's two Harley Quinns. The classic one that we all know that was like in the classic costume from the animated series. And then the one that's they kind of like sexualized from the like you know from the Arkham games and everything wearing short like skimpy clothes and everything. And in his explanation he was Joker was so crazy that the original Harley Quinn gave up on him and left and this usurper showed up and he, he didn't even notice. And she's the one who wears like the nurse's outfit and all these stuff. And then the original comes back and these two Harley Quinns go at it. And I'm like, 
that's a brilliant way to get two like the two completely different Harley Quinns, and I'm fine with it. And that's kind of what made me want to keep reading his universe. So uh, I have it all, and I will be getting it again probably when he comes back in a few years. Exactly. Just don't forget about him while he's gone. Yep. No, I won't forget him. I'll be reading Zorro. There you go. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. Well, you mentioned uh, the Joker is so crazy. Well, there's another man out there that some would say is Joker-esque in his behaviors and patterns and so forth. And that would be our good friend, the Rob. Mm-hmm. Some would say crazy like a fox. Others would say shouldn't be allowed to control his own social media. What? It was Where's the fun in that. But go ahead. So it was announced this week that arguably one of the most infamous pieces of art is going up for sale or auction on the heritage auction sites. Right. And this auction, uh, when does it begin? Does it say here when it begins? I think, okay, so. Oh, just it's, uh, November, okay, so it's the week of, or it's the weekend of November 16th to 19th. Right. So basically to say this, though, because I'm a member of Heritage. Okay. That what they'll do is, I don't, I forget exactly how. They will take random bids like before it goes to live auction, like you can go in and go, I bet I bid $5,000 or like, that's my maximum. And it will go up and up and up and up and up. And then they will do the live bidding, which goes out like on video or like whatever. And people can call like however different ways to do it, where it's like the classic auction that you remember. So this will just keep going up and up and up until the final bell. If that makes any sense. Yes. So this is it, Todd. The most infamous comic illustration ever created. Mm-hmm. Love him or hate him, the Rob has made a name for himself in the comic industry as a superstar artist and creator, even though he doesn't own most of his creations, what? throughout his 35 years in, in comics. His art style has been the focus of debate for fans over the years. With the promotional illustration of Captain America created for the Heroes Reborn event, which marked his return to Marvel after leaving the comics giant to form Image Comics, the main subject of people's love and ire. The pieces spawned countless memes and populates any Google search involving the Rob or Captain America. It is unlikely that any other piece in comics history has been more talked about or gotten more attention since the age of the internet. Ink over graphite on image Bristol board with an image area of 9 by 5, uh, 9.5 by 15 by 25, rough upper right side edge, whiteout corrections and touch-ups, blue pencil in the lower right corner, and light handling wear. Signed by the Rob in the bottom left corner, and in excellent condition. Yes. I don't know. Those the 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 wear and the touch-ups and the light wear handling doesn't ring excellent condition to me. Also, uh, you know, there's whiteout and touch-ups, and that's what we ended up with. Yes. <laughs> that's all. 
Um, but it is that famous uh, Captain America promo piece where he's Chesty LaRue, Joe. Yes. Uh, but the Rob has been leaning into that as well because he does have a variant uh, that is aping that image uh, for the current Captain America number one that we reviewed here a couple weeks ago uh, on the show. And Rob is at the Hot Flips table okay. at New York Comic Con. Right. And the Rob did post up on his social media the following. And again, uh, if this sounds a little um, convoluted, again, or energetic, bear, bear with me. It was 930 in the morning Eastern time and the Rob's on the West Coast. So uh, some details on our Captain America New York Comic Con variant. We are bringing 150 of each cover, a total of 300 copies for the floor. That's it. Out live stream customers were able to pre-order copies to send out this week to coincide with the opening of the show. I signed all of those yesterday. We're holding a small number for our live stream later this week. Another 40 copies of each variant, 80 in total. We started with 300 trade de- dress and 200 virgin covers. First come, first serve at our b- booth Thursday at 3 will be on hand uh, oh CGC will be on hand for witnessing and grading opportunities does he actually use that word Joe he absolutely does <laughs> fantastic um so again it looks like uh, you know as the rob was attempting to state this um it was 300 of the normal uh 200 without the logo on it um, and he's only bringing 150 of each of those, even though like those numbers don't line up. Cause if he has 500 in total and he's bringing 300 and there's 80 that are being spoken for on his live stream, that leaves like another 120 unaccounted for. Those are the ones he's holding back or, or he's going to find in the couch later, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's got a, who knows? He might have a pallet in the back room. You never know. Right. Uh, but which, how, which, which one do you, would, do you want more? The Virgin one or the one with the logo, the emblem? Well, let me go look at the prices on these. I think we had talked about these the other day. Because I know a guy who, who could try to get you one, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I might go over and at three o'clock on Thursday and see what's going on at that table, boy, and try and get a free wave. So. They're pre-signed, right? Right. So there's the chisel on right. the that is that's the cute name that he has for. His signature, right? Right, the fancy signature that everybody kind of really knows. Yeah. So there's the chisel, which is blue with white accents, on the uh, virgin cover. There's Mm -hmm. the chisel, which is white with blue accents, on the trade dress cover. And then there's the Liefeld bloody chisel on either the virgin or the trade dress. Lots of opportunities there. Depending on what you choose, those are going to run you between 130 and 165. Oh my god, a deal at thrice the price, Joe. And he's also doing uh, a package 
where you can get the um it's the New York Comic Con Super Pack. Mm-hmm. Where it's four different covers of the Deadpool Batter Blood. Right. Where it's um Deadpool, Deadpool in the gray and black costume, but bloody Wolverine, and then Wolverine in the gray and black costume, but bloody. Um and it's the four of those. He claims that this package is easily worth $340, but they're selling it for $160. Ooh, look at him giving out deals, Joe. Yeah. You know what he should he should sell a shirt that says, I got chiseled by the Rob at New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I would buy one of those. Now I wonder, I don't have do I not have it? Yeah, I need to grab. Oh, no, I do have it. I'm an idiot. Here we go. The price list that he used to have? No, I was looking to see if um, on the New York Comic Con site mm-hmm. um, that it had the um, like it, what the Mark photo for what the Rob was. Oh, that's right. Because they're not free. They're not free anymore. I have to go find mine because I still I, you know, I still have mine back when they were free. And I might just post it out that I got this free pick with Rob at New York this year. You wouldn't be the first person or the last person to fake a uh, a Rob photo? No, a vacation photo by using old photos. Oh, okay. <sighs> Though, you know what? Um, I bet you I'll have the same shirt on in that photo, Joe. Right. There'll be no way to tell. <laughs> right. What Rob's wearing, you never know. But for me... It's like I was there, you know, a few years ago. Todd, why does it look like you both had powdered donuts in this picture? I was helping Rob with his powdered donuts. <laughs> uh, no, no information about what pictures cost. Right. Uh, but it only cost your soul. That's as perfect as a segue as there ever would be uh, for New York Comic Con. There's comic book conventions this weekend, right. but all pale in comparison to New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's back. It's bigger than ever. Uh, you know, we've had some news over the last couple of weeks, but there's been lots of teases for news and other projects. So I'm sure not next week, but the week after will be a big news week. How about that? Definitely. Definitely. Yes. And yes. we'll have uh, boots on the ground there, Joe. That's or at right. Least Converse on the ground. That's right. And I know some of our listeners will be there. You know what Todd looks like. He looks like the Rob just with less powdered sugar on his shirt. Yep. I'll be hanging around a certain uh, KFC uh, artist uh, table a lot. So come by there. You might see me. That's right. Or just ping Todd, tweet at him, and say, hey, I'm at New York. I'm looking for you. I'll probably run into you. I don't have any plans, Joe. Right. So I'll come by, take a Mark have a Mark photo with you anytime, you know? I, I might even have some pins and stickers on me, you know? Oh, nice. Ironically, Todd charges for waves. Uh, yes. I don't charge for photos, but if you wave at me, I'm going to come over and take money out of your pocket. There you go. Just find where the no- nearest not on the convention floor or in the convention building where the nearest bagel shop is and you'll sure to run into Todd there as well. If you want to hang out at Liberty Bagel in the morning, I'm going to be by. There you go. You know what? Have my bagel buy ready. Todd his bagel. Way. You should go there, wait for Todd to go in and do the power move and say, no, it's on me. 
Oh, I would, I would, no, don't do that. No, <laughs> don't everybody buy me bagels. That would be terrible. That's right. Uh, I, I could give you my list early, have it ready. And if you could have a, a cold diet Pepsi ready, oh my God. Oh my God. You just living in the, living the dream right there. Cold enough to freeze an Eskimo's hand, they say. That's right. Um, so uh, is there, you said you have no plans, you're going, you're accompanying uh, our good friend Tom Derenick. Um You have no exclusives that you're looking for, nothing you've been tasked with, no missions that you're on? I'm on, I have, I've been tasked with one mission that I know of so far, but I'm not going to mention because it might be a birthday present for somebody. Gotcha. Uh, or a Christmas present, I'm sorry, because we're in October. Uh so yes, there's something there. And then like I'm on the floor uh, as they announce stuff, like people who, who watch that stuff, I may get a text roll in, you know what I mean? Could you grab me this or grab me that? Um, so there's a possibility that I'll have my stuff. The only thing I really have on my agenda is I have like 80 back issues that I have a, a list made up, have both a notebook and in my phone. That's kind of what I'm going for, but I like as I said, I'm out of the original art game. Uh, maybe like if I find an interesting toy or something like that, but I don't, I don't, I don't see much. And I'll be on the on the lookout for gifts for uh, people. There but my go. my last question to you is: if someone asks me to get a sketch for themselves or a, as a gift for someone, does okay. that count as me being back in the art game or doing a favor for someone? Are they putting it in your sketchbook? No, no. It's for themselves or for somebody else. Then are you paying with it with your money and not being reimbursed by the other party? No, most likely not. Then you are not back in the sketch game. How about if I buy a sketch for somebody else with my money as a gift? Like I say a Christmas gift. You are not back in the sketch game. All right. I want all these rules laid out. So it's not like, oh, you bought art and blah, blah, blah. All right. I just asking. I can't think of anyone that would throw arbitrary rules that mean nothing back <laughs> in your face at a later date. <laughs> Nobody. Can't think of anybody. I can't think of anyone that would do that either. Looking forward to this trip, though. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to you having a good time. Take it easy. Like I said, bagels, diet Pepsis, and, uh, you know. Some Good pizza, vibes, I guess. Yeah. pizza on the square. Yeah. So. I would have you log into my Pokemon account to leave people at gyms, but I'll be doing that down in uh, Orlando. You know? Can you do it in two places at once, or will no, it short, you will it shut down the server? It'll 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 mess things up. Yeah, it won't okay. like yeah, won't let them be logged into two. Like we'd be able to be logged into two devices if they were like in the same like more or less GPS location. Right. Well, when you log out to go to sleep and I'm partying it up, give me the login and okay. I'll go around New York, I don't know, throttling Pokemons or something. Yep. yep. Uh, so the link to New York Comic Con will be in the show notes, along with information about the soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in the soon to be named network go live, you could certainly find them at their own individual social media accounts your websites, your podcatcher of choice, or the one-stop shop. Get everything that you need at soon-to-be-named-network.com. And as, like, kind of an added bonus, usually when I post this stuff up there, it's kind of 
linked off of the uh, RSS feed for stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you're having trouble finding one of the soon to be aim network shows on your podcatcher of choice, looking at you, Hayabusi, you could grab the RSS feed from soon to be aim network and put that into your podcatcher of choice. And the way that these podcatchers work is the more people that put that RSS feed in there and access it, the more it becomes available for people to search in that particular podcatcher. Mm-hmm. That's how science works. Super secret science. Super secret science. Yes. Unless you get the blue screen to death, then you're on your own. Yep. Uh, so check out some of our friends, of course, as well, linked up in the show notes. Uh, that would be Mike Sterling's blog over at progressiveruin.com, uh, retailer extraordinaire on the West Coast. Uh, go check out our friend our friend Kevin's blog at hellionsteam.com. The old URL will get you there, but let's stick with the new branding. Uh, Rick Williams, the chop shop at freekaratechops.storeenvy.com. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter is still available to purchase through his Indiegogo. Uh, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, his self-published book, is available over at his site, along with his podcast at FortressOfComicNews.com. Uh, our friend Dave of the band Cave People and artist Rosovia's book Keeper is available over at KeeperComic.BigCartel.com. And if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our shop be your shop. Comics on the green. We have the Facebook page linked up. You can find out when the books are arriving. You can find out if the books are going to be late. You can find out when the new and latest, greatest pre-orders and cutoffs are coming up. And you could also sign up for the mail order subscription service, get your books mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. And if you do, there's a chance you can get a sketch on the package from our good friend Becky. She's not too busy combing through back issues of Millie the Model uh, for inspiration, but you could check out her process, her commissions, her prints, her everything, and her social media, which is also all linked up here in the show notes as well. Yes. I want her to do a podcast on this network where she discusses and reviews old uh, issues of Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane comics. Uh, There's nothing better than listening to her talk about those. Remember when my my friend Jenda would do the uh, mutant minute when he was still reading the X-Men books? Yes, I would be I would absolutely. uh before Becky sending me or sending us, you know, something to drop into this show of her discussion of the latest Lois Lane comics. And by latest, I mean the ones from the 50s she's reading today. Right. Go in chronological order kind of a deal. Um, yeah, we could do it. I'll have to come up with a catchy name and make her a star, you know? I'll make a note of that, and when I see her at the shop uh, next time, I will remind her, and I will say that that offer to her is on the table. Right. All right. So let's get into what we've read from this past week. Mr. Todd, where would you like to begin? Uh, I'm going to start with the book we were both looking forward to the most, which was Peacemaker Tries Hard, number six, written by Kyle Starks, art by uh, Steve Pugh. Um, Last we left our, you know, intrepid hero. Um, him and the Red Bee uh, were fighting uh, Brain, who had now inserted himself in Kimo's body. Um, so, you know, Kimo and Musur Mala are fighting them. Um, and basically, Peacemaker wants to get revenge for 
the way uh, uh, Mr. Mala pretended to be his friend. And that's uh, kind of interesting. And then the red bee gets a chance to enact revenge um, against the brain who created some evil weapons in world war two. And he gets to, you know, maybe use some of those or one of those to kind of get back at him. Thus, you know, completing the circle for the red bee. Um, but all the while, uh, the red bee having some great intimate moments with peacemaker, which is, which should not, you know, be that touching in this book about like, you know, the crazy wacky John Cena peacemaker. Um, and when everything comes together at the end and, uh, the peacemaker has a touching conversation with some insects and, uh, we get to see, you know, basically, the ramifications and whether or not he's going to be spending his birthday alone. Um, the best way to put it is this is the perfect ending for the six issue mini that we have been reading. If you like one issue, one, two, three, four, and five, there's no way you're not going to like six. And it leaves some small things like, you know, open for if he does a new, another mini series, like who's staying in his, you know, in his trailer apartment kind of a thing. I'm like, I'm all over this. And if they do not green light a second peacemaker mini series, Oh, I don't know instantly. I don't know what they're thinking at DC, Joe. Yeah, I, I, and again, you know, obviously I can only imagine a, a lot of that would have to be on sales, but I would also have to imagine that this was probably critically successful. Mm-hmm. At the very least, it was a fun book. Um, it mo- It's a black label book, as we were talking before, about how sometimes a black label book exists in its own world, but this one definitely... Um, you know, exist in the greater part of the DC universe, you know, without getting too spoilery, like, you know, it's very closely knit to the suicide squad. Right. Right. Even more to the TV show. Yeah. Even more to the TV show, which I would guess is very successful. And, you know, we are fans of, uh, Kyle Starks and have been for a very long time. So to see him do such a book and this book still retain him, but also be very much like the TV show mm-hmm. from Jimmy Pistol, but also still be DC Universe stuff. Like the last like four pages of the book felt like you're, you know, a JSA from the Johns era, a Giffen to Maddie's JLI story ending. Right. Um, and again, I don't want to give too much away, but if you ever read JSA, Johns, Let's say like Thanksgiving or Christmas issue or, the, uh, you know, any sort of recruitment drive issue from the Giffen to Matt is of JLI. You kind of know what I'm hitting at here with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely feels like um, Kyle homaging some of his favorite bits from 80s, 90s, 2000s DC books. And again, his brand of humor works in, a, in a, an R rated book, a black label type book. Um, we've talked about this every month that this has come out. I don't know what more I could say about it. Right. Joe, I don't know who, you know, in the W word world. Um, but somebody needs to get John Cena to promote this trade paperback when it comes out, call him up, get him on the phone. You know, somebody, <laughs> I do know somebody, but 
<laughs> the people that I know in world wrestling entertainment, I would guess it's a long line of agents and other personnel before it gets to John Cena. What? I figured you had the hotline directly to uh, that guy. I think um, next time John Cena is doing a presser for the World Wrestling Entertainment and I could get to that presser, I'm going to say, John Cena, thank you very much uh, for giving the rub to that up-and-coming youngster, L.A. Knight. Have you read the Peacemaker comic book? The new one by Kyle Starks and Stephen Pugh. I think I'm going to pretend to be a sick kid. Mm -hmm. And when John Cena comes to shake my hand, (laughs) I'm going to pull the trade. And you know, get that Mark photo that they do for, you know, of John Cena, you know, being nice to the kid. As as somebody goes like one, two, three cheats, I'm going to flip down the sheet and hold up the book. And then we have our promo shot, you know. I like that. Even if we can just get a picture of John holding the book. Yeah. that I mean, that would be great. So right. he's not at New York comic con this weekend. Is he? If, oh, if he is, Oh my God, I'm going to have to do some stalking. Yeah. I've practiced my whole life. This is the moment <laughs> your whole life. You've been avoiding professional wrestlers, Todd. No, I've been practicing stalking. First of oh. all, always, always bring a snack. Cause you don't know how long you're going to be. Oh, my goodness. All right. So the other book that we both read from this past week before Todd admits to any other crimes. Right. Is uh, Image Comics 2023 new number one of Transformers written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, He most recently of do a powerbomb fame amongst other things. Uh, This is the book that spun out of the Void Rivals book. We talked last week about this book saying, okay, I feel good picking up a Transformers book. And I know the G.I. Joe stuff rolls into this, but already by the end of December, there's three G.I. Joe books and there's still only one Transformers book. Right. So, of course, with any Transformers book, you have your human characters. And I think they do a good job of building up, you know, some empathy, some pathos for the human characters. But the part we all want to see is the hot robot on robot action. (laughs) Yep. And what we saw from the Void Rival stuff, spoilers for a book that I think is like five or six issues in, is that Jetfire um, is found. He comes to Earth. He does not have enough energon to transport everyone back to Cybertron, but he has enough to start reviving people. And the first person that he decides to revive is Starscream, where in the world of this story is a bad decision. But in in the world of me reading this comic book, whose Starscream is the A number one, king of the heap, uh, top of the hill, Transformer, Autobot, or Decepticon, Oh, this this book really is a stealth Starscream book more than anything else. Issue one, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, I think it, you know, with all that being said, of course, that kind of plays into what I would say American popular culture knows 
from the cartoon in regards to this particular Transformers mythos, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of updated for a modern day as opposed to something that takes place in like 1980-whatever. Um, there are some people that are missing, uh, some people that don't make it out. And I say people, I mean Transformers. Um, some Transformers that are missing, some Transformers that shall not be named... Some Transformers <laughs> that apparently don't make it out of issue one. But all that being said, while this feels like true to the 80s cartoon and comics, this also very much feels like how we talked before. The Peacemaker stuff feels like a Kyle Starks book. This feels like a Daniel Warren Johnson book. Okay. Because as the uh, Transformers are being brought back to life with the minuscule amount of energy on that they have, they're fighting each other using wrestling moves, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing better than seeing like Optimus Prime giving people German suplexes and throwing lariats, you know? Uh, it, it's the Cybertron suplex, by the way, Joe. <laughs> but uh, I will say, I'm with you. Like, I'm with you. Like, when Starscream becomes the like head honcho of this book, real quick. I'm of the mind, like, Starscream is my spirit transformer. I've never seen, I've been so, I've never felt more seen than when I see Star Starscream. Um, because I'm ready to take over the soon-to-be-named network at, at the drop of a hat. Um, but yeah, this book was actually fun. Uh, like you said, they're not afraid to drop a few bodies. And I was like, oh, interesting. Um all around, it it scratched the itch for 80s nostalgia Transformers, but also was not completely beholden to it. It's like, we know where the, where the bread is buttered. It's like, you need Starscream to be this way. You need Optimus to be this way. But we can toy with everything else. And even some of the lesser Transformers, I'm like, fine, do what you want. But that's the way I felt. And I had a lot, a lot of fun with this. And once some things happened, that's when I started worrying about all my favorite characters. So I was like, I think you putting this on the list uh, may have brought about me picking this book up monthly. Yay. Uh, because we reviewed it. I was like, I'll grab it. And I did. And uh, I enjoyed it. And I think I'm going to go for a while, even though I'm not a, you know, a Daniel Warren Johnson, never, I don't think I've read anything by him to tell you the truth. Um, this is my first, but I enjoyed his stuff. Uh, I, you know, and I will close out by saying, I think Todd, you enjoyed this because the Transformers were found in an old quarry. Yes, and I stole my family stole one once. Right, so. it reminded you of that. And again, with that, I want to tiptoe around this, but I don't want to give too spoilery. Um, the Transformers, specifically Starscream, cross a line that's never been crossed before by the Transformers. What? Uh -huh. I know what you're talking about, and that actually took me by a little surprise. Oh yeah. I was like, ooh, interesting. Yeah, you want to get my attention. Yeah. This book was more than meets the eye to me, Joe. <laughs> That's a great slogan. Yeah, they should use that. I used to sing more than eats a pie. That was the Todd slogan, though. So I'm glad you read it. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yep. So that's what we uh, read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you're waiting for the trade, however it is you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. 
Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead over Todd with one correct guess. Right. And I'm looking at Todd's slender read of a list. And I'm going to say the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week would be Wesley Dodd's The Sandman number one. This is the year of the Sandman, Joe. So yes. yes, it is Wesley Dodd's The Sandman number one. Now, looking at your list, and your list is a little more bloated, but uh, I do have a, a 50-50 like, pick for me. Um, because I do know you, the Superior Spider-Man Returns, that's Dan Slott, right? Yes. Okay. Um, ooh, that's a tough one. But I'm going to go with, because it's the year of Sandman, Wesley Dodd Sandman number one is the book you're looking forward to most. It's Superior Spider-Man number one. Oh, you lie. This is where I say that you're the guy who cheats and lies. <laughs> um, Doc Ock has always been my favorite Spider-Man villain. And... Right. When they did this switch and they did the storyline when he was the superior Spider-Man, that might be my favorite modern Spider-Man story. Um, I could maybe even make the argument that it's my favorite because they went like two years with it a little bit over, um, you know, even long further. With it. Huh? Long with it, but yeah. Right. Uh, it might be my favorite Spider-Man story of all time. So the fact that it's coming back. And it's Dan Slott, and it's Doc Ock as the Spider-Man again. Does um, it take place in that time, do you know? Or is no, it new stories? It's stuff that's going on in the current Amazing that's spinning out of it. Okay, I was wondering if they were doing, like, you know, when they were doing some of that clone stuff, and it was in the past, and, like, the Silver Surfer legacy books and stuff like that, the Captain Marvel legacy books, they're in the, they're in the Ron Lim 90s and stuff like that, so I was curious. No, and again, you know, it's it's a couple of months old, um, but obviously there's uh, Peter has been working with Norman at Oscorp, right? Right. Um, started out that Peter was doing it just to keep an eye on Norman, waiting for him to turn into uh, the Green Goblin, and there's been multiple chances for it to happen, and Norman hasn't. He he has been keeping it in check, actually much better than pretty much every villain that comes after him, including. Um, recent stuff that's going on with Spider-Man, like Spider-Man is now the Dark Hunter instead of Craven. Anyway, um, okay. it's almost it's almost as though they were trying to plan a big Craven storyline to come out alongside the Craven movie that was supposed to come out in two weeks. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> and when you move the timeline on a movie, you can't just change course correction on a story that you've been building up for six months in your comic book yeah see i was going with your love of wesley dodds i forgot about your love of the third best yeah. rogues gallery in comics right so, so um doc ock goes after norman and the um the arms had become attached to j jonah jameson the, okay. the, the arms are like now have their own sentience and they no longer be want to be with Doc Ock. So right. Doc Ock is like, this has failed me every time that I've done something with the arms. The only time I've ever been successful in any venture I've ever done is when I was the superior Spider-Man. That's right. Remember the time I punched the scorpion's face off? Yeah. So. Uh, and unrelated... 
I'm shocked that you did not pull in for what we read from this past week, uh, Fire and Ice, because there's a, an appearance of King of Cats in there. I was going to try and rope it in, but yes. I knew we were trying to stay svelte on the show. And yeah, I was know, like, okay. uh, and the thing that, that okay, I, my brief synopsis of Fire and Ice was it was fun, but there was a lot less ambush bug than I thought there was going to be. Yeah. So in the end, I was like, oh, okay, I was going for this for ambush bug. And then I had a lot of fun with where it went, but I was like, okay, uh, Peacemaker and I'm doing Transformers because, you know, Joe, Joe picked it and give it a try. So that's kind of where my mind went. Fair enough. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that we're doing there, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and of course the current ongoing Todd and Joe Have Issues, where we're rereading all of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. And we've reached the end. It's issue 75. But we still got like another like four days. Uh, we got like another like eight weeks left to go. Nine weeks left to go with stuff to yep. read. Yep. And we got plenty to read. So this is the part of the show where I typically turn things over to Todd and just say, yeah, bunch. Yep. Um, so we're doing Sandman uh, issue 75, The Tempest, written by Neil Gaiman and art by Charles Vess. And this wraps up the the second play that uh, Shakespeare has to write for uh, Morpheus, which the first one was A Midsummer Night's Dream way back in, I think, issue 19. Um, and throughout the issue, we end up seeing like, you know, bits of the play as uh, Shakespeare is writing them. And I, I kind of stay away from that stuff because I think both me and Joe agree, like the whole Shakespeare kind of stuff is over our heads. But I will say before we get to the end of this one, this one was more easily accessible than Midsummer Night's Dream to me. Um, and it takes place in like uh, 1610. And he, Shakespeare's like writing the, 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 the play, The Tempest, which would turn out to be his last play. And, you know, we get to see his wife and his daughter and they end up having conversations about like his work. And every time we see him talk, he kind of just seems, you know, like more and more tired. But I do enjoy the interaction with him and his wife because it's from 1610 and it's still one of the more realistic uh, relationships that I've seen in a comic. Um so he ends up, you know, going around talking to people. And I, I there was one bit where he goes to a uh, tavern and for some reason they bring in uh, a Bermuda, uh, a native Bermuda's body, which seems like a story that is 100% true that Neil looked up and they're like, give us some money and we'll show it to you. And it like stinks and, and everything. It was kind of a creepy little bit. But, uh, you know, as time moves forward, He's writing the po uh, the the play, and his friend I forget what his actual friend his name is Ben shows up, and they have a long conversation. And Ben, even though he's uh, Shakespeare's best friend, he has a he basically says you're not that good, and you're probably not going to be remembered. And that's the gist of all the uh, conversations with family or friends or anybody that he's tired. He wants to put his pen down. And a lot of people think that he's going to be lost to time. Um, and I do like the bit where he says, like, I, I'm going to put down my pen. And he's like, truly, he's like, truly. And it, and it, and it feels good. Um, his daughter talks about how his life kind of going off and doing all the stuff, you know, 
was kind of sad for them at home and she wished she could have been like the son that traveled with them. Um, and the wife is like, Oh, you're in your, you know, you're constantly in your head. You're more dreams than the real world. He's like, Oh, well, you know, that's kind of a compliment to him. And then he dreams of Morpheus, like asking how the play is. And he kind of belittles it like as any creator does, like it's not perfect, but, uh, he kind of asks him like why this play, like the other one was for your friends, but he ends up waking up before he can do it. Um, and the most interesting conversation for me is the one that he has with the vicar, or the priest or whatever. And he talks about where they get their inspirations for the story. And he says, you know, well, most talent comes from God. And he says, well, what if it doesn't? And he's like, Oh, I never took you for somebody who doesn't believe in God. He's like, no, no, no. What if it came from someplace else? And he's like, oh, then they would be damned to, to hell kind of a deal. He's like, why are you asking this? Oh, because my lead character does magic in it. And he's like, is there anything I can do about that? And he says, have him walk away, break his wand, and drown his books kind of a deal. And you'll, he, he's no longer damned. He's like, okay, that kind of helps with my idea. And I like the bit where the, the vicar says like, oh, I was worried that you had a, you know, a pact with someone. Um, so he ends up, you know, finishing the play after all this. And Morpheus comes to see him and he says, okay, thank you for the play. I'm going to go. He's like, listen, I've, I've been, you're, you know, you're for most of my life doing these two things for you. Like any good worker would have a, you know, after his time with their boss would have a moment, have a, a drink in their, in their home. He's like, oh, so you want to go to my home? He's like, that would be the least, you know, you could do. So he ends up taking him into the dreaming and it kind of freaks Shakespeare out. And uh, there's a bit, too, where we see he's taking him into the house and he's like, I'm taking you to the parlor. And there looks like there's an er early Mervyn pumpkin head, but he's Mervyn beet head because he looks like he's got like purple and he's a beet. So I'm like, oh, I'm wondering if he did the work that Mervyn did. Like, there's a story there in in my head and as they're they're talking he ends up offering him this drink of choice in the dream and he talks about this wine he always wanted to have and he's like well why did you you know why did you give me you know this ability kind of a deal and he's like and he shows him the 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 flashback to like when he was with hob he's like that you would give anything and he's like, well, you know, you, I wanted to give it to you because you had the gift and the talent and you were no worse man than anybody else. And you wanted it so much. Um, and he ends up uh, like, oh, that that's kind of interesting. Well, what if you hadn't done this? He ends up saying, well, if this hadn't happened, you probably would have had like a most lackluster life. Like he kind of goes through the bits of what would have happened. And then he asked, would my son have lived? And he's like, never mind. I, I, I don't even want to know. Um, and he's like, in the end, he's like, I just, you know, nobody really cares about me. He's like, you're well loved. And he's like, but you know, no, I'm not going to be remembered. Like, and he goes down this list of people is like, who are better than him, who I've never heard of. And they're like, you know, you're not. And he's like, and then I'm worried about my soul um, because I made a pact and he's like, I'm not of your, your faith. You don't have to worry about that. He's like, is this going to make me go to hell? And he goes, only if it would give you pleasure to go there. It is a cheerless place. Um, but you were going to say something to, I'm sorry. 
No, I'm with you. Again, like I said, this this is one of the ones where I'm letting you do most of the heavy lifting on this one because... Right, I thought uh, I heard you the, take the a heavy, breath the heavy Shakespeare The heavy Shakespeare stuff for me is not for me. I only have a few notes, and a lot of it is either the background stuff or how we... The only other thing that you'd... Um, I'm not sure if it was intentional or not, but the um, woman who was running the, 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 the bar at the inn... Yes, was drawn to look like the Ma character from Jeff Smith's Bone. Well, exactly like her. Yes. Yeah. Um. So in the end, he goes. I kind of, I kind of want to know. Um. Why did you make me like wh- this? This poem that I wrote, or this play? What was it about it? And he goes, "What did you want? Like, why wouldn't you want a tragedy like a comedy?" He goes, "He goes. I wanted a tale of graceful ends. I wanted to play about a king who drowns his book and breaks his staff, and leaves his kingdom. About a magician who becomes a man. About a man who turns his back on magic." Um, and he's like, "Well, why did you want this?" And he's like, "It's not your concern." He's like, "Not my concern." Like, because earlier on he says, "I opened the door in your head. You always had it." There. He's like, "If you open the door." I did all the heavy lifting. So what is it? And he goes, because I will never leave my island. Um, and he's like, you live on an island? And he's like, I am in my fashion an island. And Shakespeare says, but that can change. All men change. He's like, I'm not a man and I do not change. Um, and he ends up saying, you know, I, I am a prince of stories, Will, but I have no story of my own, nor shall I ever but I thank you. And he kind of, you know, wake, will wakes up. Um, and then will takes that bit from what he's told them. And he writes the epilogue to the play, uh, of the tempest. And we get a bit where we get to find out what all the, the people, you know, went on to do like Shakespeare. He, when he died and when his wife died and she died the year that his first book of plays was published which would begin the road to him becoming Shakespeare but he never knew what he truly became but I will say the bit where Morpheus says you know I'm the prince of stories but I have no stories nor shall I ever I think is an interesting quote because we just read 75 issues and one special (laughs) of his story Joe yeah Um, I really like Neil Gaiman with that and then he leaves the at the end of it you know Neil Gaiman uh, October 1987, January 1996. The end, Joe. But not the end. No. no. Um, and again, this is fine. It's it's always a tough entry point for me. I'm not a Shakespeare guy. I've never been a Shakespeare guy. Um, I'm glad that there are people that this is their deal. It's not my deal. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned before how like there was the mervin prune head or plum head or whatever he was right yep yep um i liked all the stained glass that was in um morpheus's throne room of all the other endless um i liked all the echoes to stuff that we've seen already because obviously in the timeline where this happens it's much earlier than pretty much everything that we've read and i liked Less Shakespeare's conversations with the other patrons at the bar, friends or otherwise, but the conversations that he was having with his wife and his daughter. Yes, they were very realistic, even for hundreds of years ago. Yeah. Um, So that was the stuff that more rang true to me or resonated with me, less like the actual play itself, you know? Right. But I will say... 
how like basically Neil did a great job of explaining what the Tempest was about. Right. So in the end, I could relate it to Sandman not being able to walk away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it was very, very simple. I don't think we needed the uh, parts of the play, but just the explanation kind of found for me. And in the end of the most famous, you know, issue of all the Shakespeare previous one, I like the Shakespeare one better. Because I understand it a little bit more because he dumbs it down for me, you know? Uh, and now see, I like the other one better. Um, okay. I'll say I like the other one better because it's shorter. Um, I like the other one because we get more, and obviously this is the last issue, where it's echoing back to stuff that we've already read, whereas the Midsummer Night Dream one sets up stuff that's actually going to happen in later issues. Okay. I don't know. I like the curtain coming down, you know? Yeah. Okay. Well, next week we have what would be next released in chronological order. And that would be Sandman Midnight Theater. This is a collaboration between Neil Gaiman and Matt Wagner, who had started doing the Sandman mystery theater book, uh, at Vertigo, which Wesley Dodds is the main character of, who's getting a new number one this week. Uh, it's almost like we planned it this way, Todd. We totally planned it this way. When we picked this to be what we were going to do 11 months ago, and we knew they were going to do a Wesley Dodds solo book at the tail end of 2023. And we knew they were going to do a brand new Sandman story in a, in a, in a $500 slipcase edition. Oh, speaking of which. Right. While you're at New York, you got to be on the lookout to see if there's any of those out on uh, reseller tables. The, oh yeah, the white, the white uh, San Diego exclusive one. Yeah. Oh sure, if they buy, if they have one, I'm buying it. All right. That's my that's my one you know guilty pleasure purchase. I'm gl- How much you want for that? All your money, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> so we will be here next week uh, with our review recap rundown uh, of Sandman Midnight Theater number one. It's a big one. Right. Um. So it might go long, but who knows? It'll be a short show next week for sure, or not. I don't know. Listen after dark. There's some clues. I don't know. (laughs) Right. We'll see. Uh, So uh, I know probably it's too late at this point in the season for anyone to, like, join in new, because I know you've closed out the group. Uh, But the ESPN Pigskin Pickums, don't forget to do your picks. Right. Uh, I'm currently in sixth place. And Todd's currently in 12th place. Sure. I told you I basically I'm going to go by whatever you say from here on out. All right. No problem. So next week I'm going to tell you I'm in first place and you're in last place and you'll just have to believe me. Right. Yeah. I think that's how that works. Yes. And Todd in the soon to be named network fantasy football thing. Can you believe that Adam lost this week? Uh, I can because I've seen the scores. Okay. But I won, so I'm going to go get me some uh, Taco Bell after this. You won and Adam lost? Yeah, we weren't playing each other. Um, I was playing DeWiki, and I smashed him, <laughs> I don't often say I smashed somebody in, in uh, fantasy football, but I smashed him. But, uh, 
you know, I'm I'm above such things. So good game. You know, I'm sorry that you know you lost to Wiki, but uh, on to next week. On to next week, Joe. That's right. That's right. Um, you could uh, support the show, of course, by making a purchase of a pin or a shirt or a sticker uh, from the store link on the web page. Uh, you could also go to the T Public store that's doing a 35% off sale until uh, Saturday. And you can get uh, designs inspired by this show, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Soon to Be Named Network in general, and a bunch of the other shows as well. Right. You could also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our eBay affiliate link. Uh, this page contains affiliate links for eBay. We may receive a small commission on purchases you make. You could use this affiliate link anytime you want to buy anything on eBay and support us at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we have any art attacks this week. We do not. Uh, But we do have a plug, of course, for the Patreon. Uh, That's where you get the most bang for your buck. Patreon.com slash longboxheroes. For as little as a dollar a month, you get the following. You get two bonus shows from Todd and myself. And that includes previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog uh we just recorded october 1993 the other day uh you also get comic book oddities uh where we look at some of the lesser known more maligned pre-dc marvel cinematic universe stuff uh we'll be recording howard the duck later on this month captain america the 1990 edition which is a vhs uh classic definitely one that did not get released it escaped (laughs) um and you also get the full scans of all those previews catalogs that we talk about on previewing the past right five dollars and up a month you get those two bonus shows two weeks before everyone else and you get long box heroes after dark two days before everyone else so you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order right get some of those in jokes you know yeah yeah it, it makes more sense when you listen to After Dark first and then this show, because that's how we record them. Right. Uh, now, last but not least, and again, this is just for clarity on my sake. So when I had said to Todd, I definitely needed to be more clear. <laughs> With Ahsoka's finale and the first episode of Loki coming up uh, this week, I said, oh, well, we'll double up on them. Meaning Ahsoka and Loki and review them for this week. Oh, see, I thought you meant we were going to double up on Loki and do one and two together. (laughs) Well, we would technically have to do one and two and three together. Oh, that is true. (laughs) Which is why I didn't suggest it that way. Well, you got to be more clear because sometimes I get easily confused. Next time I promise I'll ring a bell. Okay. Todd, I'm going to pivot to you to let you take point on the season finale of Ahsoka. Right. Um, so basically, uh, the you know the what would you call them the the great mothers are getting ready to go back to uh, with Thrawn in the Chimera to go back to our the Star Wars universe. Um, and they realize that uh, the, the the heroes have all gotten pretty much back together and they're making their way back 
And Thrawn's like, oh, we kind of have to stop them. So he sends out, oh, two big TIE fighters to go get them. But along the way, we get to see that Ezra, who I think you thought was a pacifist last uh, episode because he didn't want the uh, lightsaber. Yeah, um, I definitely I th- felt that way. Yeah. Right. And I was kind of the mind he didn't want to take it from Ren. Um, so he ends up building a new one with uh, Huyang. And he ends up using parts that were from his late masters, like they were spare parts. So he, I guess apparently his uh, his um, lightsaber looks kind of like his late masters one. So uh, they get to they end up stopping the, the Tie Fighter, but their ship gets gets busted up a little bit. So Huyang has to fix it while they go on foot slash like you know riding whatever beasts that they have. And they end up, you know, making their way up the tower fighting, uh, you know, the, the, the stormtroopers. But the night mothers, uh, the great mothers, I'm sorry, uh, end up saying, like, do they know that they're going to be like, do, do they are they fully informed? They said, yes, they get it. So as the, the heroes are chopping them down, we end up finding out that the uh, the great mothers are bringing them back to life as these zombie stormtroopers and they keep attacking so the rest of the episode is them doing what they can to uh you know try to keep them down though they would stab them and slash at them i don't know why they just didn't cut heads off and or cut limbs off seems well first of all they probably thought that the movie lied okay (laughs) second of all um they eventually do but I think even though they're stormtroopers and even though they're zombies, the two times that we see like headshots, mm-hmm. they kind of sort of happen. Like we don't see uh, like a lightsaber go through a neck. We see the lightsaber go toward a neck, then walk behind a wall and then a head rolls off. Right. I, I definitely think they only uh cashed in on those two headshots because <laughs> if they did a bunch more then i think they might have the rating would change yeah 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 because at if, its core p like at its core star wars is like a pg-13 series right like if if Django fett only gets one headshot so do stormtroopers so yeah but uh uh, you know while this is going i can't think of the 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 the, the one great mother's name because they end up uh uh, is it Elsbeth was the, the woman she ends up uh, getting promoted to a night mother and they give her like the fancy sword, which is another thing that lightsabers can't cut through. Like now we have a, a long list of both Beskar and uh, this, this sword. I mean, she yeah, it up- was uh, the blade of Talzin. Yeah. Which is like just a samurai sword with like some smoky force power on it. Right. I felt more it was like, didn't it look more like one of like the Arabian Night Swords? Yeah, you know, samurai sword, whatever. Gotcha. I don't know. Um, but uh they that could stop it. So her and Ahsoka end up fighting um as you know Ren and uh Ezra are trying to get on the, the Chimera and stop uh Thrawn from going back to our galaxy. And this is when we see that, uh, you know, Ren has the ability to, like, use the Force. She ends up grabbing a lightsaber and then end up using it to push 
Ezra because he can't jump onto the Star Destroyer leaving. And it's like, oh, you can pull me up. And we end up thinking that, like, you know, Ezra and Ren are on the Star Destroyer and uh, Ahsoka is left alone fighting all these people. But Ren stays behind and helps her out. And they end up jumping on the ship just as uh, as Huyang shows up with the fixed ship. Um, but in the end, Thrawn messages Ahsoka and says, good try, but you're stranded here and I'm going back. And he ends up going, you know, going back to their universe or their galaxy. And Ezra ends up stealing a shuttle and flying to see um, uh, General Hera. And he gets out of the ship, apparently with the helmet still on, which seemed like a bad idea. But they don't shoot him. And she's like, oh, you're back. And um, ah- Ahsoka, Ren, and Huyang are like in that other galaxy. And they're like, well, we're, we're, we're where we need to be. And they're with like those Ninja Turtle people. And Baylor is trying to follow a trail. And that other Jedi, who I forget her name is, she ends up taking up with the bandits. And she's going to lead them because she feels lost because uh, things didn't quite go her way, Joe. Yeah, and you know, obviously, um, her her bit with the bandits, um, Balin's skull, like, so him at like those cliffs that have those carvings in them, you know, right? I- I'm sure that there's some sort of significance to those. If I had ever seen the right uh, the animated series, is is you know, yep. Um. And again, I, I feel so bad. What was uh, Shin is the one who ends up with the, yep, the the bandits. Um, I like the role reversal stuff where Ezra ends up back with the rebellion, uh, New Republic type folks, and um, everybody else is stranded. Yeah, Ahsoka and Sabine are back with the the ninja, the fake Ninja Turtle people. Um, so like I said, I, I like that you get that little bit of a role reversal with those characters. Um, I thought the fight sequences were really cool in this one. Um, they they were busy, but not like unfollowable busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the tension with the bit of them running toward the temple, the like, and all three of them using their force ability to keep the door from shutting. Yeah. Uh, so that was a good bit too. Um, but I don't know, like it just. It didn't feel like as satisfying as an ending. It felt as though we just kind of moved some pieces around the chessboard to set up for whatever the next series of these characters are. I agree. I did not think that everybody would be stranded in like, well, except for Ezra in, you know, that other galaxy. And it's kind of like, well, where do we get, do we get a season two of Ahsoka or is like that rumored movie? Does that all work its way in? I just feel like, not that I don't mind some answered questions, but there was way too many unanswered questions as far as I was concerned. But that doesn't mean I hated the the the, the season, you know? Right. So. I thought it was good overall. You know, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, you know, I do my best to avoid this because I watch everything so late with these. But I, I mostly saw it was split on this. Right. Um, you know, there was like no people that were just like, it's okay. You know, the people that typically like Star Wars stuff were like, Hey, it was just more Star Wars stuff. I really like this. Um, I know my friend Andy was like, if this was airing like Saturday afternoons, 
like in a similar position to where like Xena or Hercules aired, right. people would be heralding this as one of the greatest pieces of fiction ever. Okay. But because Star Wars has maybe lost a little bit of, of its luster over the last like five to six years, there are people that are just ready to dunk on any Star Wars thing that comes out that isn't the greatest thing ever. Yeah, there's no room. I, I've said this a million times. There's no room for like. You know what I mean? Like, there's all love or hate. That's it. Yeah. I think that's with everything, though. But with Star Wars, especially, you know, some of those tried and true franchises, especially. But like Star Trek or Star Wars, now Marvel that has a track record of over a decade, you know, everything has to be the best movie ever. Right. And and the other thing is, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we've said this the whole time. If you were more tied in, you were more checked in with the animated stuff, the Clone Wars, the Rebels stuff, then you probably love this and thought this was the best thing ever. Right. Whereas I just thought this was like more good Star Wars stuff. I, I would agree. I yeah. would agree. Um. I liked it better than Book of Boba Fett. I probably liked it better than Obi-Wan by a little. Um, it was different than Andor, but I liked Andor better than this. Andor is my favorite of the Star Wars TV shows. Yeah. But Book of Boba Fett is the best ever because it had Cad Bane. Okay. Uh, so that makes it by you know, far the best ever. But no, like Andor, to me, Andor is a completely different animal compared to these. Um, but they're they're fun. They're they're bubblegum sci-fi, sci-fantasy more than sci-fi. Um, right. And I'm fine with that. I don't need, that. that's all I need, you know? Entertaining yeah. 45 minutes, you know? So in two weeks, we'll be talking about the first three episodes of Loki season three? We could, we could. Okay. We'll discuss off mic. We'll discuss off mic. But then it's like we don't have anything with a steadfast date until Captain Marvel 2 comes out in uh, a month from today. Right. Because Ironheart never got a definitive date. And Echo never got a definitive date. So, I don't know. That's okay. It'll be nice to have like a little break here at the end of the uh, the school year, if you will. You know, I I agree. Yeah, use some downtime. Then we'll have real short shows. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just, we'll add, like we'll add an extra book when there's no TV shows. You know. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, you know, we will have a show next week. It'll be a little bit of a different show. Um, did I hear back from? All right. Well, it looks like what I have planned and what I teased, I got my confirmation from uh, my interview subject. That'll be interspersed with uh, bits of the regular show, right? Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, everyone, thank you very much for listening. This was uh, episode 679 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain.
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.